Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur. I'm sitting here with someone who's not a really, really amazing friend yet. Um, I've been working on it and building it, and I've been sending him little love letters and Valentine's candies, uh, and we're going to see where this goes. My wife already hears too much about him. I'm with the one, the only, Dr. John Deloney. Uh, he's one of the Ramsey personalities out of Dave Ramsey's office, and an incredible how should I say human being? He's an incredible human being. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say really good looking. Uh, yeah, I'll take he's also very good looking. Um, only now surpassed by his humility. He has <laughs> two PhDs. <laughs> um, and but you've also, man, like I want to start off by just saying, so you you have chickens, is that right? For sure, we got. We're done. <laughs> Tell me about the chickens, man. We had a lot of chickens, and then we had. had some chickens interact with some animals, and so oh, we're down no. to seven. I think, um, man, we were holding steady at seven. What'd you start with? A lot. Like, I think we started with twelve. Like more than twelve? Yeah, I think twelve or eleven. Oh my! We've God. had we've had some we've had some mishaps. We're learning. Oh, are they? Uh, we had we had a snake. We had some dogs. We had all kinds of stuff. So that's outstanding. Just, it's um part of life on life in the woods, life on the I, farm. I I love it. So you moved out from where to Nashville pretty recently? I was in West Texas up West until Texas. about three, four years ago. It's all running together on me. And then I lived downtown, like in the city, city in Nashville. And then we um, moved out to the woods. Happy? Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, you it's gotta, peaceful. Gotta, it's quiet. It's yeah. awesome. Very, uh, very little cell service. It's, it's, it's pretty much heaven. It's right up your alley. So you can be in the office during the week and you can work and you can tweet and you can do all the stuff you got to do. And I don't know how Twitter works yet. I've, I still have never sent a tweet, but I have to do the other internet stuff. Well, somebody has sent a tweet. Somebody, yes, they take my words and they tweet them. <laughs> but yes, um, but yeah, I'll, so we, yeah, we do the internet stuff and we do the media stuff and then we can go home and be human beings, which is just. That's amazing. So I, I think that's kind of the first place I want to go with you, John, is you, and, and from the first moment we, we met, I think, again, we were just talking before we went to record six, seven months ago, maybe in Nashville. And what struck me amongst everyone that's in the expert space, the leading voice space, the media space, you're one of the very few that seems to have a very black and white, almost um, two different lives. And I mean that in a good way. Like you live your personal life and you go, man, I'm going to live full out. And then you come to work and you work. And you, a lot of people, it bleeds over, whether it's an identity or whatever it is. Is there something that you have had to intentionally create around that? Or is this more of like how you were wired because you never, uh, I know you never went to be in the limelight, so to speak, right? Sure. Can you kind of talk about that? That's a great question, man. Um, I've been just horrific with boundaries most of my professional career hmm. and i i worked at universities and, and as the dean of students and so i was in hospitals in the middle of the night i was running around it was 24 7 365 it was cool too because i could just go be at kids stuff and i could go um like you know i could step away and run over and see my kids play or go do those dad things and then my kids, well, I had to be at the basketball games, but my kids, you know, my kids grew up going to D1 basketball games. And so it, I wrapped my head around, they have this really remarkable life and I've got this flexible life. 
And at the same time, man, it was really messy. And if I was honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself, work got way more of my first fruits than my kids did. Sure. They got to come along for the ride, but work was the driver. And so as I decided, as I made this wild left turn into my career from being a professor and working in, in colleges, universities to I'm going to be in the, like, in the media. I'm going to have a show and those kind of things, which I didn't know much about at all. I need to make sure I go into this with some really firm boundaries. My kids have people coming up, you know, they Google each other and they find out dad's got a show and Hank and I, my son and I were having, you know, coffee, having breakfast together the other day and someone was taking pictures of us. And so that's not a life they asked for. Wait, so how old is Hank? Sure. He's 11. You guys are having um, so, coffee just hanging out in the morning. What a great, what just, a great he doesn't drink coffee, but oh. I was having coffee. <laughs> He was, he's more of a, he's just more imagining of a like a five-year-old. Yeah. We're just hanging out, having coffee and bagels. You know how it is. No, he's more of a smoker. So he'll burn through <laughs> three or four cigarettes and he's more of a, like a morning whiskey guy. Yeah. You know how it is. Um, yeah. yeah. He's, he's like one of the modern 11 year olds, but no, we were having breakfast together somewhere. I like to, we like to go to breakfast and well, he balances um, it out with CrossFit. Like <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it, CrossFit is kind of his, uh, yeah, his hangover recovery, but it, he, <laughs> um, that's the other thing. I've learned that my sarcasm doesn't translate to the internet sometimes. And so my kid doesn't drink or smoke America. We but yeah, have that line, out. no taking he, out of context. Exactly. He doesn't, he didn't ask for this, man. So I want to make sure he gets, when I'm home, he gets full dad. He gets full presence. My kid gets full presence. Uh, my wife gets full presence. And so, yeah, I like to toggle back and forth with pretty clean lines as much as possible. That's not, that's not every job. Can you do that? That's not every season. I'm writing a book right now, man. It is mess it's what do you work on because we're, we're gonna i, I want to definitely touch on your last book uh, dude i hit anxiety. at 2 a.m this morning man we hit on the new one so i'm excited about it wow it's a, big, it? it's a it's a big kid book it's about everything it's about everything can, can yeah, you share the title yet or is it all like under like secret r d lock and yeah, key what's going on yeah, it's it's i got the i got the title tattooed on my chest but i can't say it out loud yet we'll get there. i love that yeah just lift it lift it just a little bit that's it <laughs> no i don't have it yet i don't we, there's no title yet <laughs> i think it's um a big mess right now but all yeah we're working on so there's seasons when it doesn't work that way but right uh yeah to answer your original question try to be that's pretty fun. intentional yeah i like that so so you are intentional about it and it's interesting because like life can get messy with that but to your point i think if, if you have at least a boundary value in line you have a vision in line for what family is what work is you can probably make a lot better decisions. And I've learned as well over the years, you know, in the beginning, you know, my wife tells me we've been together 12 years, 12 years now. Um, yeah, you should know that number. Yeah. Well, give or take, you know, we're, yeah. yeah, something like that, 12 and a half. But early on, it was like, I had this mentality that I didn't realize I had a choice. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Right. I didn't realize my boundaries were a choice. Cause it was like, Oh, well it's work. And if there was an opportunity, like, like I can't say no to the opportunity because this is going to be more money. It's going to be whatever it is. And I've definitely in the last several years learned that you can say no to things. What are some of the, the criteria or like the methodology that you use to learn to say no? And, or do you just want to talk about like the power of no? I don't know if that's a thing for you, but I'm guessing that you've probably learned to say yes and say no to things more intensely or intently than others. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not great at it. Uh, what I'll say I mean, you is said yes to this. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'll, I'll take any podcast. Um, I, I'm just kidding. I, I, to me, yeses and nos are driven by pictures of where me and my wife want our lives to end up. What's the life we want to live and craft the best that we can. And if we're living through the great Depe depression, part two or three, 
we may not have that that we i mean it may just be we're, we're doing anything we can to make ends meet if i've got a six figures in student loans if i came from a, a you know my dad had bailed on us from a, as we were a kid and i'm working two jobs and going to high school just so we can have like the lights on i understand i'm talking from a place of privilege here but my wife and i say in this season what do we want things to look like so right now one of our goals is dude i i bought a house um we bought a house and i hate 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 owing people money it gets in my soul not even on my mortgage it makes me insane i don't sleep i walk around i don't like it and so we said for the next season i'm going to say yes to a lot more stuff it's going to cost us i'm going to be tired um, i'm going to be catching a flight to barely make a baseball game to barely get home so i can barely do, get our laundry in so i can hit the road the next day you're going to be that this, guy for a we season. did this on person on purpose we're intentional about it. And then we're going to get the house paid off. And then we're going to have a season of rest and a season of rejuvenation and a season of, a season of intentionality where home is, we're going to really hit the other side of that scale. I got a boss that believes in that. I've got a work environment that promotes that. And I've got a, me and my wife sat down and we're highly intentional about it. Um, she's an author too. She's launching a book. And so we sat back, she's doing it. Actually, I think her first her launches this week we were back um, oh hang on ago. hang on let's not skip through that uh, real quick what's mrs yeah, deloney asked book? me uh, i should, should have talked about that i'm she doesn't like me oh. talking about her stuff <laughs> don't her plug my stuff i'll plug she's my smarter stuff than, yeah exactly um <laughs> all right we'll go google me, but, mrs deloney but we she's a, she was dr deloney way before me but we uh she even uses a different name so we don't cross first the streams like ghostbusters oh but i love it i love it this is we fun. were intentional about saying man what's this season gonna look like so again it comes back to intentionality i think it's important to remember when you say yes to something you're saying no to a whole bunch of stuff and when you say no to something that opens up the opportunity to say yes to other things and so really those good. you got to hold the tension of those that's really good i am bad about saying yes to something five months from now and not counting that cost because if if i was going to if you asked me to go, you know, fly to Timbuktu for a hundred dollars and speak at a thing tomorrow, I would say, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, no but way. I got a baseball months, game. Yeah, in six months. Yeah, I'll tell them I'll do it. And then I dread it. And then the day before, I'm like, what am I doing? And so by saying yes to something six months down the road, I've said no to a whole bunch of other stuff along the way. And so it's just being intentional about what is my yes going to cost me? What are my no's going to cost me? So good. Do you think, speaking of that, have you thought much about how different people perceive time? Where you have kind of the people that are in the moment and the people that are great planners. So I, you know, I have this conflicts with different, say, family members and friends where I'm an in the moment guy. So for me to plan something three weeks from now mm -hmm. gives me a little bit of anxiety because I'm closing off my options. And I logically yeah. I know it's smart, right? But I'm closing it off. Where I have my dad, right? Shout out to Rick Browning. Shout out to Rick. Uh, he loves to lock things in. So he'll be like, "Are we going to get together? Oh, three weeks. Great. What day? What time? Where are we going?" <laughs> And for years, I, it would like frustrate me to no end that he's like, you're, I'm, you're locking me down. And he would, of course, be frustrated because you never commit. And we have this battle. My wife and I were like that early in our mm -hmm. marriage, right? She was the let's plan. I was the let's see what happens. Yep. Do you have, I don't know, just any takes, thoughts, impressions about kind of interacting with, I, I suppose, the different time filter people, the different mm -hmm. planner type people and how to do that effectively? My experience with time is that it's a great, our relationship with time is a great revealer mm. of how we deal with anxiety and insecurity. And I, the way you said it, that's how my household is. My wife finds great, here I am speaking for her, I'm going to get in trouble. I, she finds an ability to find control in chaos through a list 
and through yeah. a a detailed calendar. Nothing makes her heart beat more romantically and in line with the cosmos than if I say, hey, tonight, can we sit down and with our calendars and compare calendars for the next oh, week? Dude. Bring your I'm calendar you, to man. mine. Ex- yes. And so the other side of it, I'm like you. When I'm with somebody, I'm like, dude, we got to get together. And they're like, yes, let's for sure do this. I'm literally thinking, let's do this next week. And if they text me, what time? I just get pissed. I get instantly frustrated. Isn't that hilarious? Like, what, are you, what are you doing, man? And here's the thing. I am but you want anxious. It. I do, but I have an anxiety around missing out. I've got anxiety around feeling like I'm hemmed in. And so I have to know that the way I handle time is abusive to other people. And people who are high planners, controllers, you said 1030 and it's 1031. You, those people have to know that they can be abusive with time too. They can just weaponize it. And so I think it's time becomes the symbol of how I interact with relationships. And so if I'm trying to fix time, it's always about how do I be better in relationships? I'm late a lot. I'm two, three minutes late. The first thing Megan came in when she came in today. Hi, Megan. Uh, to, to, yeah, Megan's here with me. Just making sure I don't say anything that's going to get me fired. But she said, oh, you're, you, you beat me here. It was an event that I was early. <laughs> I'm, but I'm trying. And here's the thing. I looked at my calendar. She's shocked. I, I don't want to finish. I don't want to stop the conversation I was having beforehand. Correct. But I also don't want to be disrespectful to you. I don't want to be disrespectful to Meg. I want to honor people. And so the best way I can honor people is by being on time. And so it's not about time as much as, is it who I am? Who, am, I, am I being who I say I'm going to be? Right? What is my relationship to other people? That's good. You also, I, I love that you were kind of willing to, and I hear this a lot when, you know, when I hear you coasting the Ramsey show or on, of course, your Dr. John Deloney podcast, which I'm a fan of. I do like, I really yeah. like how you do that, especially the ending. I like your lyrics. So guys, check out <laughs> the Dr. John Deloney show, wherever you get good podcasts, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Um, it is everywhere. It's YouTube, it's Stitcher, it's Spotify, it's all the places. Um, but you know, you, you have a fun kind of way you do that. But one of the things I've noticed as a theme with how you communicate is you're willing to use. I guess what I call more like visceral language. Like you said, you know, the way I I use time could be abusive. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I hate the word triggering, but that that could be a triggering word for someone. And I like that you're willing to kind of step in and go, no, this is a big deal. It's not just the way I use time could rub someone the wrong way. It's like, no, it can feel controlling, abusive, terrible. If you do that one way or the other, do you, we do, we live in a culture and we do not speak the truth to one another. No, we wallpaper over interactions with one another that are not okay. And we use words like, it's cool, man. Uh, just a little while ago, I was recording an episode of the show and a woman was recounting a really abusive marriage, as she said. It was a heavy call. And she kept circling back to, but he had it hard. And he w-, and it was like, hey, stop the presses. You know what I mean? We just live in a culture where it's, we don't want to, we want to tell each other the, the, the hard stuff we're dealing with. We don't burden anybody. I don't want to bother anybody. But, and we got to just start being honest. If I am late, I am communicating. I matter more than you do. Yes. And I'm a guy that hates people who live like that. And nowhere else in my life does that do, does, does that, do I communicate that. I try to be respectful to people. I try to over tip. I try to fill in the blank. I try sure. to clean up my neighborhood. I try to get my kids right. But when it comes to time, I three minutes. communicate to people. That last person I was talking to is more important. That's yeah. abusive. That's a weaponization of time. That communicates yet another voice in their life. Yeah, you're not as important as this fancy personality guy. And that's bullcrap. That's a terrible way to live. Hmm. 
Hmm. And so, yeah, I do like to call what a spade a spade. And if I have to default to, you know, wet toast language or a little more visceral language, I'm always going to lean on the more visceral language because, I mean, we got to start being honest with each other about how much we hurt each other. Love that. Now, this might seem overly simplistic, but I, I'm sure you probably have been asked something like this then. Do you have any any tips or concepts about how how to apply the change? So like I'm, I'm a guy like you where I'm two, three minutes late. I've, I've, I've studied this in my brain for years. Um, looking at that, like that psychology perspective of and I look at the clock and I realize that if I'm more than five minutes early, there's this feeling in the pit of my stomach of I've wasted my life. It's the mm -hmm. weirdest feeling, but I yeah. that's my nightmare is sitting at the DMV too early. At the same time, if I'm between three minutes early and five minutes late, that all feels kinesthetically. It feels like I'm on time, even though logically mm -hmm. I know I'm not. Right. Do you have any like, did you have to rewire yourself? Did you just say, mm -hmm. screw it, I'm just gonna do it. There's no, no thinking about it. Or is there any little tricks you play with yourself? Cause like, you know, people you know all the time, I, right? They go, <laughs> I set my alarm ahead and then they do the math in their head. So I'm not looking for a hack, but like, what do you really do to implement the new you? This is it, man. What is it's, it? It's awesome. I spent a little bit of time with Jocko. Jocko. Willing, and I was interviewing him at an event. And so I picked up one of his books. Oh, he was at Entree Leadership uh, right. Summit, yeah, right? Yeah. Last year. Yeah. yeah. What a great guy. Well, yeah, he's a great guy. Great human being. And it was, it deflated everything. I'm an academic, I'm a nerd. I hang out with other nerds. My oldest friends are all nerds. We like to talk about theories and neurological synapse development and all, I mean, I could geek out for days. That's why I'm not asking Jocko this question. I love. <laughs> well, and it became this, you know how to be on time? Be on time. Stop thinking about it. Stop reading an article about it. Stop over, sure. don't ask your friends about it. Don't ever be late again. He says it best in one of his books. Like, I, dude, how, how do I like, like lay off the donuts? Put the donut down. Just and don't think, eat it. Yes. I think we over, we, the last, oh, yeah, we could get nerdy. We are on the back end where the, the enlightenment is burning out in front of us. Yeah. We are obsessed. Our new cultural addiction is data. I need more information. I need more stuff. I mean, need more. I need to get another opinion. I need to, we just need to stop. We know what to do. I just read a thing the other day. We could fix a climate like in five to 10 years. If we just do X, Y, and Z, we need to wow. stop talking. Just go do it. And it's the same in our marriage. Like, well, you know, I need to talk to my buddy. No, empty the dishwasher and take the trash out. You'd be shocked at how much more she seems to love you. Say these quotes. magic words. I am sorry. I was an idiot, right? It's not hard. And so it was when I looked in the mirror and said, I will never be late again. Then there is a practical. What, what, then I got a watch. This watch costs $28, like at Walmart or Kohl's or something. You know how many people have asked me about my watch? Zero, zero, not one person. But I said it five minutes fast and I just get places on time now. Ta-da. So you do set it five minutes fast with all that I, personality money I, floating around with that $28 exactly, Kohl's yeah. $28, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'm rich. But I, I got a $20 watch and it gets I love where it. I want to be. And it came, it was a decision. Like I, I That's what we're getting to. Just over-dramatize everything. We as a culture have got to take the air out of that balloon and just say, I'm going to start being more respectful to my kids. And when I lean in and I'm not disrespectful, when, when I find myself disrespectful, I say that thing, I look at my kid in disgust. I stop the presses right there. I call it out. I say, I'm sorry and say, I'm going to do better. And yeah. then we do better next time. Just go do it. 
put the donut down, as he says, right? Dude, I'll tell you, man, like, that is, it's only hard, in my opinion, the first time. That's right. Like, what you just said with your kid, right? I have one 10-year-old son, and we've been in that same habit. It's like, we, we try to just communicate, right? And, you know, I don't want to shield him from things. I don't want to over-dramatize anything. And there's definitely times when dad's human, mom's human, and, and I lose mm-hmm. my mind or, yeah. you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got... And, but just to, to look at him in the eyes, it's so hard the first time to be yeah. like, hey, buddy, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Yep. Because he might be like, eh, he might still be hurt and he might yeah. not act like he's forgiving me, even though we talk about forgiveness in our house. Yeah. But once you do it once, it just, like, how quickly do you think something can actually become a habit? Do you have any thoughts on that? Whether it's, I decided I'm going to lose weight. It's time to eat right. It's time to go to the gym. It's time to be on time. It's time think, to, oh, th- you know. I think that, I mean, you can read James Clear's masterpiece on, you know, habits. It's Atomic Habits is, is just a world-class book. And he's a world-class guy. Yeah. I, I, I think the, I think that's a hard question to answer because in my life, stuff builds up and builds up and builds up till I have these no more moments. Yes. And so it looks like I just made a decision on a Monday. I'm never going to eat that again. And I, and I literally won't. I just won't. Um, now, a year later, I might say, I'm going to eat that today. So my rule is I never fall off the wagon. I will park the wagon, get off of it, and roll around in the mud for a while. And Amen. then get back on the wagon. But I don't want to fall off it. But in my life, it usually I've been thinking about it, practicing it, trying it, tiptoeing in it for months in advance. And so I don't have a great answer to that question. I know there's an academic answer to that that I'm not really certain. I'm not of. looking for that. Um, yeah. But, but for, what you said is you 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 make the decision, and I think getting to the decision point can be like the biggest challenge, right? When you know I yeah. hear on the debt free screams all the time on the Ramsey show. What you know when when enough is enough, and you just go, this is it, and this is the day. All of a sudden, the next two and a half years are easy because. The decision happened in a moment, but it was that motivating buildup that you well, can't I think, put I th- your finger on it. I think that I think that's the misnomer. It's not easy. Yeah. In fact, the day you say no more is when life gets real hard, mm. real hard. That's when you have to then have a plan. A lot of us make these declarations. I'm never dating somebody like that again. I'll never let her talk to me like that again. I'm never letting my boss say that. We don't have a backup plan. I owe six figures. My boss gets to talk to me like that because I don't have any other options. Or I haven't sat down and said, how can I teach him how to talk to me in a way that I feel valued? I just yell. And so, or I'm never, I'm paying off all my debts. Well, it's a two and a half year journey. And now I've got to make a budget every month and I got to stick by it every week. Um, That's where the planning comes in. So yeah, I can make declarations. I will never be late again. And I had to go buy a watch. And I had to announce it to my family that I have let them down. I looked at my 10-year-old son, 11-year-old son, and said, I have not been a good example for you. And I'm sorry that you feel embarrassed. And I'm always sprinting up to the drop-off line when I take you to school. I'm sorry that we go to, we're walking into church 15 minutes late every week. That's my fault, and it's disrespectful, and I got to get better. I had to say that to my, my 11-year-old son. Good and now you. I got to live it. I got to get a watch. I got to set my alarm. I got to set because a say, alarm. saying that and then not having, having a plan, no plan. two weeks later, you're back. Then to, I don't mean it. I'm lying. Right. Yeah, it's dumb. Mm. Dude, that's so good. Hey, let's uh, let's pivot into a little bit more into kind of the anxiety feel going on. I wanted to, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about is looking at people in a position of leadership right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's been maybe more anxiety there's been more responsibility, real or perceived or both, combination of both, thrust on the shoulders, right? So I think some of it is, you know, I run a business and I have a responsibility that's higher than it used to be with all that has been going on for the last couple of years in the world. 
But at the same time, I think there's also part of it that I'm bringing on as well. Like, oh, I have to bear this burden and I can't let them know. So I guess the first question, this is easy, is, you know, do you feel like anxiety's gotten worse for leaders? And the follow-up is, if so, then what? I think, I, I think it's important that we delineate anxiety from stress. Let's talk that. And we delineate anxiety from busy. Well, let's, let's actually just break into anxiety in the first place. Cause I know like in your book, redefining anxiety, you're talking about how anxiety is a, is a symptom, right? It's, it's just it's an alarm. The red light yeah. on your dashboard saying something's going on. Can you yeah. kind of talk about that a little more from your perspective? I mean, we just, yeah, we've, we've made anxiety the, the problem and it's not, mm. it's a, it is a signal that we are usually not always, but usually one of three things. We have found ourselves isolated and lonely. Our brain is telling us we are disconnected. And a couple of thousand years ago, if we woke up on the plains and our tribe had left us, we were probably going to die. We are designed to be in connection with other people. So that's our brain saying, hey, you haven't seen another person in a long time. You're only transmitting, transferring information. You're just talking to colleagues. You're just texting people. You're just Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. We need humans in our life now. You and me and your, my wife, or you know, you and your spouse have become co, co-managers of your household. You are not connected, right? That's number one. The second one is you're not safe. You're in an abusive relationship, whether it's at work or it's in a, in a romantic relationship, or your parents are, you're 30 and they are still trying to run your life, right? You are not safe. You're in a country, you're in a marginalized population. You are in a place where you're not okay. That's anxiety, letting you know, hey, you got to get out of here. This environment and, is not good for you. Exactly. And then the third one is you are looking down the barrel of a future where you have less and less control. Control becomes like you are not in control of your destiny. To a large degree, none of us are, right? We don't, a meteorite could hit us tomorrow. So that's part of the existential angst we have. But if you owe money to somebody, you are not in control of your tomorrow. Your boss is, the bank is. If you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't have any friends, if you get a flat tire, you got to change that sucker by yourself. Hmm. If you get sick, you got nobody to take your kids to school. Um, so it, it's, it's, you're not in control of what happens next, right? You don't have another option if you get fired. You don't have any other business relationships, et cetera. That's what anxiety is. It just sounds the alarm, man. And the analogy I like to use is we have a house and it's on fire and our smoke alarm goes off in the kitchen and we all go, oh no, we got to get that sound off. And so right. we call a therapist and a, some weird pastor and some buddy, and he brings over a six pack and some burritos and we climb up on a ladder, take the batteries out of the smoke detector. And we all high five each other. Like, Thank oh, goodness. We got now that's we're, done. Right. And the house is still burning down. That's what happened. That's how we deal with anxiety in our culture. It's, it's just silly. And so what I want someone to do, if your anxiety alarm's going off, when your body's taking off on you and it's fighting everything or trying to run and hide from everything, or if you cannot get out of bed, and all you want to do is watch another episode, another episode, another episode. When you want to take another drink and another drink, or you are f- can't help but text her back even though you're married to somebody else, because it makes you feel alive. I want you to go out in the front yard and look at your house and see what's on fire. That's how you handle anxiety. And if you look as, as a leader, I think the last 24 months has been phenomenal for leaders because they got called on the carpet. We had 10 years of the country putting everything on a credit card, man. We've just lived. It's been fun. The economy's been booming. Everything's been going. We had some political chaos. I'm just, yeah. (laughs) I see. You got that cool wall behind you. I don't know. It looks cool. I don't know. Yeah. Um, We've been running and gunning and running and gunning. And then all of a sudden, leadership got hard. And Mm -hmm. we all became leaders over the last decade and didn't have to lead through chaos and evil 
and hard and uncertainty. And now that's a refining process. People are finding out, I don't like leading when it's hard. And so, yeah, you should be stressed and you should be fried. And if you're disconnected and if you're not safe, your business isn't safe. If you have found yourself where you're having to survive on, like you can't make payroll. Yeah, your anxiety alarms are going to go off, man. If you and your wife aren't speaking anymore, if you've just been doing homeschooling and working from home and your kids don't like you anymore and you don't like your kids, yeah, your anxiety alarms are going to go off, man. But they're not the problem. Have you been over to my house? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, your wife sent me a long email before this show. She wanted, to, she wanted me to talk to you about some stuff. Yeah, she said, please tell him I don't want to be a homeschool teacher for another year. <laughs> yeah, nobody does, right? No, nobody he, does. He, he's back in school. But that's great. It's like j just looking at the, at the problem. You know, I, I think earlier this year, you know, we're, as we're recording this, is you know, coming into the fourth quarter 2021. And, you know, around January, I found myself, and this is so weird, John, I, I've never been a guy who was depressed and a guy who was any of that stuff that I would label or whatnot. But I found myself looking at how I was behaving and I still saw myself as this, I'm ambitious, I'm a go-getter, I'm this and that. But I looked at my behavior and went, wow, I'm watching late night TV, I'm drinking one too many IPAs, I'm not working out, I've gotten chubby, and you just keep on stacking these, these behaviors. And I found myself in this place where how I thought, who I thought I was, was not who I was acting like. And... And it was start, and I was starting to feel that feeling. I'm like, gosh, am I feeling depressed? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I, I would, I don't identify with like being depressed or a depressive person, but I recognize 100%, man, I was feeling depressed. And it wasn't a problem with my biochemistry. It was something that I was creating in my biochemistry, right? I was actually doing this and I made the choice to change something, but it was a fed up moment. When, when you have well, let me, someone let me, flip, let me flip that around. Yeah, go ahead. When... We're, our, our brains and our bodies are designed for a bear to show up at a cave yeah. and it floods us with adrenaline and cortisol and all the neuromodulators take off and you pick up a rock and you fight that bear and you either win or the bear kills you and it eats you or you sneak out the back door and you run away. It's designed for short term. Let's get out of here. It is not designed. It's like Drano. It can deal with one clog. Sure. If you just dump Drano down your drain day after day after day, it eats through your pipes, right? It becomes the problem. It will melt your plumbing system. And that's what our stress response does. And so, man, for the we've had political chaos. We've had a pandemic that for a season we thought we were all going to die. And then we thought none of us are going to die. And then we thought, well, a lot of it's been a mess. And then we find ourselves that we don't know who to believe. We can't talk yeah. to our parents. We had great friends that suddenly, oh, you think like that and you're acting like that. However, that happens to me. And so if you woke up in January after an incredibly contentious election, mm -hmm. you woke up in January after two weeks to flatten the curve and suddenly it's 18 months later and right. chaos and I'm worried about my money and my salary and I have to take this money from the government. I don't want to, but I got to eat and all that stuff. It's important to back up and look at your body and just, man, you've been trying to take care of me. You've been on a full out sprint for a long time. Even thinking about alcohol and, uh, and carbohydrates, sure. your body is <laughs> looking for cheap calories. It's yeah. trying to uptake glucose into your muscles so you can fight and run. That's why you grab chips and why you grab Twinkies and grab another beer, another beer. Yeah, you don't go grab it's, a cucumber for a late night snack most often. I don't want to. I don't want a steak and a cucumber. I gotta run, right? It's <laughs> why you're not. You don't have interest Accurate. in sex. You don't have interest in hanging out with your kids when you're trying to not die. 
And that's the only switch our body has. And so at the same time, I'd say, yeah, you, you had gone into some behaviors that were not well. I would say those can be clarifying moments where you don't go to war with yourself and you don't be like, you suck, it's time to change. That's when I get curious with my body. Mm-hmm. Say, man, what are you trying to protect me from? Oh, all of this. If we're going to be well, I got to get back in the gym. I got to make a list and start really honoring my wife. I got to go back to church. I got to make sure my kids know, not with my words, but with my actions, that I love them and they're a priority. I got to start writing every day, right? So the behaviors to me come after I ask my body in a curious, not judgmental way, man, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? What are we working on? Oh, you've been sprinting for the last 24 months, right? And it gives you some peace. And now I got peace. Now I'm going to go hit that dude in the mouth. Now I'm going to go solve this problem. I'm going to get my butt back in the gym. And then I'm going to start crushing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, very much. Otherwise, <laughs> you add your, your crushing it becomes another <clears throat> stressor. Mm-hmm. It becomes another failure, another fear, another I have to, I should, I got. And it just piles up on top of the already strained stress response. Man, you're just speaking to my soul. I don't like this. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good, though. Because um, what's interesting, man, is like watching those changes. And a lot of it was exactly what you said. It, it's like getting curious and going, okay, well, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, oh, that makes sense. I'm, I'm wanting to hide away. I want to duck my head in the sand because this is, it's painful. It's uh, like a lot of uncertainty. And if I have a lot of uncertainty, it's hard to make an action plan and follow through when you have uncertainty on the vision. So I'm like just stuck in this place. So I start making changes, right? And I start changing fitness and I start changing health and I start changing family priorities. Start cutting corners a little bit. Yeah. yeah, But but as the months go by, it was like, man, it's going great. I feel on top of the world. But I think to your point, my body was starting to go, you know, you don't need to go to the gym five days a week. And it's funny because you can actually have that other side of the problem. And I'm like, oh, I'm 41. My joints are starting to hurt a little bit. Like maybe, you know, what does success look like? And so <laughs> yeah, I'm, take, yeah. I'm taking the curiosity aspect back. I'm, t- I'm taking hold of that back. And, and just it's a balance in. between curiosity and going where you don't want to go. And Tell me more about going body. where you don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't feel like going to the gym hardly ever until I'm there. And then I'm glad I'm there. Always. I don't feel like walking back in and apologizing to my wife for, leaving my dishes out i don't mm. i don't feel like writing thank you letters all the time but i never that they're right and they keep me well and they help me be whole and it's the kind of person it's the per, it's the integrity oh it's the kind of human i want to be and when i do those things they that keeps me well and whole so sometimes you want i gotta listen to my body and then i gotta go do it anyway i've got to acknowledge yeah today's gonna be a hard workout and i'm gonna go do it or i'm gonna do something I can't do a CrossFit, whatever, but I'm going to go for a walk for a long way. Um, This week has been a really busy week, 14 hours, 14 hours, 14 hours. Yesterday was a 20 hour day. It was a long week getting this, hitting this book deadline. So I threw on like a weight vest and went on an hour walk a couple of days. I haven't done squats or anything Jocko-ish in the last, you know, week. My body couldn't handle it, but I had to do something because just sitting in a chair is going to guarantee my hips hurt and my knees hurt and I start feeling like an old man, right? 100%. So it's, it's just finding that balance. Yeah, really good, man. Dude, th- thanks for, uh, I don't know, I-, I knew you'd just be candid and just just share how you feel and, and what you think oh, you works, bet, but I appreciate you actually being always you, always you. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Who else could I be? Last couple questions, and I'll, I'll let you get rolling with your 14-hour day. Sure. <laughs> uh, today's, today's a good one, man. 
Oh, good. This is this is the day off, man. Just I hit send out. last night. No, no day off. But yeah, I hit send last night. So we're, we're hey, man, did you hit send? So so it's finished. Like um, your part no. is finished. The creation. Yeah. It went to editor round two. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're coming back and forth. Um, you, you as we were talking about this last this la- last part of the conversation, one of the things I, I see people with a lot and questions I get as well, like on on my show and in my coaching circles, is talking about vision and talking about, you know, I want to get a vision and be clear on what we're creating, what we're moving into, call it intentionality. And it can be in business. It can be in your relationship with your family. How do you create vision when you're in a bit of a world of uncertainty? And I don't mean like I'm blaming, I can't live my life because I'm waiting for the government to tell us what to do. Like quick example of that was we took our son out of school last year, not out of fear, but out of, I don't want to sit and be poised on the edge of the couch, watching my newsfeed on my phone every other day to see we're back in school, not in school, mask, no mask, right. vaccine, no, you know, and I'm, we're like, God, we're getting anxious, not knowing what they are going to do. Right. So we said, well, how can we take control back? So, you know what? And we prayed and we just said, we're going to, we're just going to homeschool for the whole year. And we're going to let things do whatever they do. And at the end of the year, we'll figure out what next year looks like. And it was one of the best decisions we ever made. Control what you can control in the season, but a period at the end of it, move on. That's right. Yeah. And it was probably hard and there was some adjustments and it got annoying and what, but y'all did what you needed to do. That's fantastic. Good for you. Yeah. So I feel like that that's one of, uh, for me, an example of like, well, I'm not in control of it. What? Cause people throw their hands in the air. Right. And I've done that before. Like, wh- Oh, what can I do? It's the government. I'm waiting on them or my boss. And, but there are ways that you can take the control and take the vision back. What are some ways that, that I can gain more certainty for me, for my family, or for my business when you're in the midst of what really is an environmental upheaval. Everything around us seems to be kind of uncertain and we don't know how taxes are gonna land and revenue is gonna land and I'm in the hospitality industry, I don't know if hotels are gonna open, you know, in that yeah. kind of world. So how I do th- we find I think certainty? Two important things. Number one, you have to have a very clear vision and unhook your identity from that vision's accomplishment. Here's what I mean. You have to know what you want your fourth quarter financial goals to be. I've got to know how many pages I need to write, how many words I need to write, what I need this book. I've got to have a projection on how many books this needs to sell to cover our cost internally, to make the money I want to make, to be able to not drive an 06 car anymore, like all those things. I got to have those projections. And then I've got to go back and do the little things every single day. I got to write every single day. I got to read something every single day. I got to put the work in on the front end. And then I got to let the results fall where they may. I learned this as a basketball coach. I had some great mentors. There are some games when the shots just don't go in. I don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. There are days when Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and LeBron just miss shots. That doesn't mean they quit. What they did do is they did all the prep work. They did all of their practice work. They had their great game plan. They had the offense that's going to work against this team. And then the shots fall where they may. And so I have a vision. And if I don't hit this, if I don't sell 5 million books, I'm still a good dad. And I'm still a good husband. And I still contribute to my local community. And I still tell the truth. And I still go to my local church. You you can still be a good dad and only sell 4.5 million books? You can, you can stretch, you can stretch four and a half million makes it hard to be a good dad. You can get there. Um, (laughs) But those things don't impact my identity. And what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is you are your business. Your business is Mm -hmm. you and you are selling you and you are the product and you are the coach and you are the go-to and you are the guy with the advice and you are the woman with the, with the plan. And if they don't buy what I'm selling, what does it mean? Then what does it mean about me? 
Right. And that was the thing that we decided when we walked into the show, me and my wife, dude, we're just, I'm just going to talk how I talk at home and with my buddies. I'll swear less, but I'm going to talk how the radio does. I mean, but I'm going to just be, I'm going to talk how I talk. And if this doesn't work, I'm going to have to look in the mirror and go, they didn't like me. And I'm, I have to be okay mm. with that because I got the same eight idiot friends that I've had forever. And I, my wife loves me. My kids love me. I got to be okay with that. And so we went all in. And so far, it's working great. There will come a moment when people don't like me, and I'll have to deal with that. For now, I'm going to have a really clear vision and hold that outcome loosely, and I'm going to do the little things every single day. So I'm going to do what's best for my home. We actually did the opposite than you, as you all, mm-hmm. and it worked out great, too. We are going to go. I'm going to take it. We're going to go to a our local public school. We're just going to roll with it, yeah. and we're going to have a good attitude, and we're going to be positive, and it was awesome. But you made the now, choice, right? That's like, right. Hey, we were intentional. We talked about it. We thought through it. We knew it was going to come at a cost. And we know and things we are going to change, and yeah. we're going to roll with it. That's the decision. Right. And so the outcome, you and I came to very different outcomes. We're, I'm homeschooling. I'm going to public school. Great. The, key, the reason we both had success there is we were intentional. We counted the cost, and then we did the little things every day to make this thing work. Yeah. And we figured it out as we went, and we held it loosely. If we had a bad algebra day, all right, it's not the end of the world. If we're on the way to school and we get a text that school's canceled, well, we're going to breakfast, kids, right? And and we're going to hold it loosely. I'm not going to let that dictate my identity, who I am. Really good. Can can we just dive a little bit more into the identity piece? So if if your identity doesn't come from, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a podcaster, I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a nurse, I'm a lawyer, whatever it is. And and I get that because I believe the same thing, right? You can't get your identity from what you do. You can't get your identity from who you're in relationship with. Where, and this is tricky, right? Because from a faith perspective, and I think we both have that background, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. It's an easy answer if you come from a particular faith background to say, I know what my identity is in. But when you speak to kind of, I guess, the entire world as a whole or individuals throughout the world, what's the better answer? You know, my identity I've, doesn't come from what I do. It's it's what? I have. This is haunt. I have been in a therapeutic relationship or coaching relationship with multimillionaires, hmm. with single mom, with multiple kids, and everyone in between. It is wild, disturbing, sad, heartbreaking. How many people I've interacted with that can't answer this one question? What do you want and who Mm. are you? We are so on autopilot and we are so just taking the next thing as it rolls that very few of us have actually just stopped and asked ourselves, what do we want? And so we just take the next promotion, the next job, we move to the next town, we go get the next house. We don't say, what do we want? We just do the next thing in our marriage and we go to the next little league season and the next one after that, next one after that. Then it's high school and I guess we just go to college. We don't just stop and say, dude, what do we want? And then underneath that question is, who are you? And when I answer the who am I question, it informs the what do I want question. Mm -hmm. And that is identity, not what job I end up having. So in my life, yeah, I'm a person of faith. That matters a lot. I'm a person who really, it's, it's important to me that the people who come in contact with me know they have value. I'm somebody who really treasures my wife and treasures my kids. And I've had varying seasons of success where I'm good at that and where I'm not good at that. But it's something that's important to me that I try. Um, my relationship with God is really important. And so that those are who I am. That is, and what I want is backfilled there. And so, dude, the identity, I'm going to be someone who steps into messy situations, whether I work at Burger King hmm. or whether I work for a police department, whether I'm a dean of students or whether I have a radio. My life is always going to be aiming towards leaning into other people's messes. 
my identity is not in how many listeners I have or how many much dollars I make, or am I a, this kind of coach or that kind of, it's all the same job. It just has different, different skins. on. It. And so my identity is not in the outcome. It's in, it's in, it's on the front. End. That's so good. Who are you? Answer that. And what do you want? Who are you? What do you want? Cause you can step into that messy situation. You can be raising chickens or you can be running a show or you can, and what's great is you could have another job somewhere down the road and, yeah. But if you don't know who you are initially, you don't know what you're really looking for, then all of a sudden, yeah, it's so easy to get like into the granular, right? Into the details rather than that big picture of the expression of who I am, right? If I'm creative, I got to be creative, right? If well, I'm... It's, how, it's how you lose yourself, right? So if, mm. if my, if my, I have to, I was put on earth to be a radio star. Like I, that is what I'm here for. That is, that is my identity. I am John Deloney, the radio then what I'm going to do is every time the YouTube metrics come out and the podcast metrics come out, I'm going to look and scour them and see which, which shows did better, which ones did worse. You know what always does better? The one where that are a little bit sensational, the one that somebody cries, the one that is a little bit heartbreaking where I make fun of some, like, and so what's going to happen in short order, I'm going to chase that rabbit. Mm. Every call is going to be a little more sensational. I'm going to be a little bit louder and more theatrical. I'm going to stop being authentic with the hurting person in front of me. And I'm going to cause a scene because it does well on the click. And it's going to take me further and further away from any sort of character or authenticity. And it's all going to be in service to this identity of I got to be a radio star. And what I'll tell you is that collapses. It's the difference between a college whose mission is our mission is to educate students. And if they're not careful, the mission becomes our mission is to keep the college alive. And then that mission becomes, Get we want to make students. sure this college is prestigious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, have and we want to make sure this college has the, enough resources. And so suddenly the, the mission of educating a student changes to how do we keep this machine running? And how do we do that? We charge these kids more money and more money and more money. And then we ask their parents for money. And then we take government money. And suddenly we are so far down a rabbit hole. Our business plan doesn't work. And now we are in a free fall. And the business we plan is scrambling. all about government-backed, now we have to, to eighteen-year-olds so you can build now bigger the government swimming pools. Owns us mm -hmm. because our mission was perpetuation of the institution, not now. This and quick, so uh, this quick side rant brought to you by Borrowed Future, phenomenal <laughs> documentary. I'm just yeah, no, no. You're, you're, <laughs> let me plug it, not you. But that but, was just so, an interest. I mean, that's just where my head's at right now. But yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, because you were in that documentary, I was just I just watched it yesterday, so it's super in my mind because it just came out like as we're recording this a day ago. Um, but great commentary on that, especially from such a, a, an academic background you had. But that, that it's just such a good example of every industry can become that, right? Mortgages Everyone used does. to be about yeah. how can how can someone afford a home of their own, and it turned into how can we get how can we keep the loan industry going? Yes, yeah, very different outcome, very different client. All of a sudden, same so with social media. So one of my media. favorite things about working here at Ramsey Solutions is, man, you talk about getting a clear picture of something that Dave gets a clear picture and a vision and there's a team and y'all will make this happen. And then Dave will also stand up and say, that didn't work. Like I put a lot of money to that and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm going to hold bad. that thing loosely. Yeah. And then we're going to go to the next and we're going to go to the next. And it's being able to say my identity is in my faith. My identity is in my family. My identity is in my character. Then we're going to have a clear vision at work. We're going to go hit the biggest dude in the room and see if he falls down. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he takes that punch and knocks you out. And you got to get back up and go again and go again and go again. Yeah. But what you do, how you do it, that could change. Hold on loosely. What's the next line? Hold, Hold on, on oh, loosely. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's <laughs> your song, dude. Someone tweet us quick or whatever that is. Um, John, I'm, I'm going to let you, of course. And then Matt made the podcast real weird. Real weird, real fast. As soon as Matt tries to go on The Voice, this is The Voice, uh, not going to win. John, 
you're an outstanding human. Thank you for sharing just everything you did, man. Dude, I'm just in, a clown in the way you to did. Figure it. it out every day, man. I Seriously, it. I'm I'm not, man. I'm just trying to trying to do do the best we can every day with what we got, right? Well, I think I think maybe that's what I mean is you know I, I look at people that think they have it figured out, and the older we get, the less I got it figured out, and just to oh, yeah. recognize that and go, I'm just gonna I'm gonna dig into the mess of life and people yes. and just start figuring stuff out, man. Let's do it. Um, and we'll see how it comes up. Uh, you can follow John at John Deloney at all social media, of course, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, he Check does out the podcast, tweet. man. We're having a blast. It's a, it's a fun show. Listen to your podcast, The Driven Entrepreneur, and then well, you clearly are the, the Dr. John Deloney uh, yeah. podcast. Man. Give, me, uh, give me 30 seconds. The Dr. John Deloney show. Is there an episode that sticks out in recent history in the last, like, maybe, you know, month or so that uh, – is really worth to listen to. I mean, if, the whole if you're, thing if you're is. First, if it's your first time to jump in, we yeah. just did the year review. Where we took the top five calls of all time and went through them and replayed them. And that's a great way to, man, get a sense of what this madness is all about. Yeah, give it one full episode. One full episode, right? Not one line out of context. One full episode, and you are hooked. The uh, Dr. John Deloney Show. It's really, really good. Thanks, um, brother, Matt. Yeah, appreciate it, John. You rock, and I'll see you real soon. All right, stay in school, man. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. All right, guys, that's the show today. Dr. John Deloney, my guest. Make sure you follow John at John Deloney. You can, of course, get his book, Redefining Anxiety, at Dr. No, yeah, RamseySolutions.com. You can find that at John Deloney. Is it JohnDeloney.com? Yes. That's the right place, and that'll go to the yeah, right page. If you ever get everything. lost, you go to RamseySolutions.com, and it's all there. Yeah, go to RamseySolutions.com. You look for John Deloney personality, you'll see Redefining Anxiety. Uh, you can, of course, follow the podcast there, and he's got a cool guided meditation that's totally free as well to help get rid of uh, anxious feelings. Thanks again to John. Thanks to you to listen. I'll see you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye.